0: It's Friday time, which means it is time once again for another edition of that podcast they call Jamco Talks. And you may be thinking to yourself, Jamco, you sound a little bit different. And you're damn right I do, brother. I sound a little bit more clear because I got me a new brand spanking new microphone. You know, this podcast is a little bit high class. I'm a little bit high class. so i got to take it up another gear, take it up another notch. And, uh, well, I just hope I could say the same for my conversation with my guest today. But unfortunately, I was out on business so it does sound like uh, I'm having a conversation with your grandmother's landline phone, but what can I do, people? I do apologise, but uh, stick with me for uh, the conversation after on the next week. We'll be on this beautiful microphone with my beautiful voice, and we will continue to talk to people. And i got to tell you, all the way through the month of October... And November, we've got some great guests. We are jam-packed up till uh, at least December. So we're back with Avengers. We're back talking to many different people from the Twitch world, from the CAW world, from Professional Wrestling. And today's guest is a man from Professional Wrestling. We're talking to Randy Christie, who is also known as Tarzan Duran. He's also known by many other monikers that you will hear in this podcast and uh, he is a rising star in the New Jersey scene. Uh, we get into the nitty-gritty of professional wrestling. His start in wrestling, the the training that goes on in wrestling and kind of thinking about the physical side of making sure that you are on tip-top condition whether it be cardio and also the mental side in terms of setbacks, criticism and also how really you keep going through this professional wrestling maze whether it be sleeping on gym floors or you know maybe not paying a lot wrestling in front of many people wrestling in front of less people a very interesting insight and uh technically our first professional rest that we have on this podcast which is a good steal and we'll continue to talk to more so enough of my babbling on let's get on with it man let's get on with my conversation with Randy Christie
1: the following is
0: We're talking to Tarzan Duran, Randy Christie, a professional wrestler in the South Brunswick, New Jersey scene. We're talking all things professional wrestling, every single thing that's on your mind. And we're also talking about the places that he has performed in, such as East Coast Pro Wrestling, Combat Zone Wrestling, Funker Wrestling Federation and National Wrestling Superstars. It's coming up here and it's coming up right now.
2: firstly, I know that I sound like your dad's old Nokia 2000 where you drop it and the pavement breaks and your battery lasts about 12 years. But I'm out on business, saying the greatest of audios, but it is what it is. We've still got a great conversation. Hopefully that won't become an issue later on when we start talking to Randy Christie. But a regularly scheduled audio and regularly scheduled normal podcasting will resume on the next edition. Yes, but we're getting too far ahead of ourselves because we've got a great conversation right here. Speaking of professionals, speaking of class, my guest today is the rising star in professional wrestling in the South Brunswick, New Jersey area. And uh, this man you might be familiar with, uh, you saw a little bit on the uh, old Maximilian, a uh, past guest who does the old XBPW, the old online wrestling stuff. And you can catch him on there as well. But uh, some people call him Tarzan Duran, some people call him Gringo Lunker, that's an old one. I think we we'll call him the Jersey Kid, but today we're going to call him Randy Christie. Let's welcome him on Randy Christie. What's going on, baby? How you doing? What's up, man? I'm doing great. Doing great. So we're going to get into the uh, the nitty gritty of professional wrestling. We're going to sort of uh, interesting to hear your experience and uh, kind of what you've been through and the sort of journey through the uh, through the old maze that is professional wrestling. So looking at your uh, looking at sort of your experience and looking at about that i sort of asked you before i said hmm how much experience I am i you know i said oh you met 10 11 experience no, no no i've been doing this since 2006 15 years of in living experience so with mm-hmm. my experience uh with 15 years does that technically classify you as a veteran or you know do people still think well you know you're still, you're still a rookie as it were
1: i mean like I, a lot of the younger guys will call me a vet I mean, I don't call myself a vet just because I don't feel like I'm that age <laughs> you know i'm i'm thirty one years old, so
3: I don't feel like you know I'm old enough to be a vet technically or something yeah, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i mean with with that as well,
2: and obviously it's gonna be different to the different uh, places that you you know and we'll go through a little bit of a little bit later but um, we were talking just last week before we did this podcast, I was asking you about so training What you trained. And uh, you were trained by uh, John Rambo, who surprisingly uh, was trained by uh, Rocky Johnson. Everyone knows who Rocky Johnson is. Uh, John Rambo, was he, a, was he a tough trainer? Was he an easy trainer? I'm guessing they're not always tough.
1: He was a very tough trainer, man. Uh, very Pacific on the old school. Just like the lockup had to be a Pacific fuck. Pro- yeah, the lockup had to be a Pacific way. Everything had to be like a Pacific way, and he just drilled it into you, fucking every day. Um, I always think when it comes to sort
2: of professional wrestling training that, in a way, there's that old mindset of sort of tear you down to build you back up. And I wonder if even you and some of your, your classmates, when you go in there,
1: if that scene of you know, you may
2: know what wrestling is. You want to do all these moves, but we'll do the basics. And if you don't like it, you know, there's a door
1: yeah well, I mean John was a badass he was a tough motherfucker yeah he was probably like six four you know he was like you know he was in the gym like he, even uh when I was sixteen years old when I first started training with him he uh, I would sleep inside the wrestling ring at the wrestling school and he'd come in at like six in the morning and start working out would wake me up so I'd get my workout in with him um i mean he, he was really cool with me you know when, when I was like younger with with all that stuff well I, I mean, I've always been pretty cool with him, but uh. Yeah. Like, alright, so, like, but when there's a show going on, you know, everybody's in the back of the locker room talking and all this shit. John comes into the room, everybody just shuts the fuck up, like, everybody has, like, so much, like, respect for him, but it's almost like a, like a fear, like, nobody wants to get yelled at by fucking John, he just, like, comes in grumpy as fuck, but then, you know, in the middle of training or something, he'll leave or whatever, come back, stoned as hell, and everything's all good, he's laughing, you know? So he's definitely, he's definitely a character. I don't really want to get into specifics of money because that's
2: kind of a you know, past day as it were. But when you look at uh, professional wrestling training, especially in your area, of course it's different from you know, the country that I live in. But would you say it's something that sort of someone who kind of comes from nothing is able to pay? How does that work? Because you know some people you've heard that have said, "Man, I'm not able to pay it. Maybe I need to do it in installments, or maybe I could do it by uh, cleaning the, the gym or the, the wrestling school, as it were." How how does sort of money problem come for
3: someone if you know maybe they can't pay? I mean, uh, yeah, that, that's difficult. Uh, I mean, like
1: me, you know, I've been doing this long enough to where I could go to most schools, and you know, I don't have to pay the train that usually let me come in, and I can do my thing, whatever. But yeah, I mean, you know, you're talking like two to four thousand dollars a year. Right. Right. Okay.
3: Yeah. So, yeah. So
1: yeah, it's it's some right There. So I mean. Yeah, uh, that's what I mean, you know, if you find somebody local, a local wrestler near you, you could always maybe try to get in with them. And I, I see like some guys will bring in people, uh, you know, to a wrestling school and just start like teaching them you know, by themselves or whatever. And I mean, that's one way you could like specifically find like one person. Whenever you go to a school, you know, that like cleaning the floor crap doesn't really fly.
2: When uh that that training uh and, and you know especially nowadays whether you're in America or, or UK or even any parts of Europe, you know, you've you got to make sure that you find a good trainer because sometimes you know you can get some you know, questionable trainers who work you can't off or just take it and maybe show up whenever they want and, and have someone else sort of teach them. How do you kind of and we'll get to how you you know got into the bits and how you want to be a professional when you sort younger, but how do you find a, a real good trainer, someone who, who
3: is that the word of mouth or is that something you just kind of have to sometimes just suck it up and find whoever's nearest to you? You got to suck it up and go, you
1: know, whoever's, uh, go to whoever's nearest. But
3: I mean, it's good to,
1: you know, look around and being red. he's like a tremendous fucking trainer. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the Maximo brothers, like they're, they're fucking awesome. Uh, you know, like there's there's a lot of good people like uh, Booker T. School, reality wrestling. You know, their training is fucking top notch. So I'm always over there. Like I'm going there tomorrow. I'm going to stay there to Wednesday just so I could be there and train every day because I like
3: the way they, they fucking push you. Yeah, you know, uh, So you know, there's a lot of places that just let you do whatever.
1: Ever find a place that's more like a militant that really like pushes you to yeah. you know go farther and you know actually sessions. So
2: you mentioned earlier
1: about you know
2: sleeping the gyms and things like that. As as sort of to some people it would be like we we all sleep you there sometimes. You've heard all the story of sleeping on you know motel room floors and, and cars and all those kind of things, but you know what why do you think people sort of go to that extreme to really really want to become a professional wrestler i know there's passion in it and there's sort of dedication but for example you know why was that something you thought you know uh this is how much i want it i'm going to you know sleep on the and i know that's going to go into you know why you wanted to become a professional wrestler but you know why would you go to those extremes to you know want to be a wrestler? because some people who listen to this would probably think you know man what? why would you do why would you uh, you know, sleep on. Why would
1: you go through that grind that kind of starting artist, as they say, you know, to be a professional wrestler? I mean, a lot of people in a lot of industries got to do that type of shit to, you know, survive. There's a lot of things that you, know, you got to struggle. You just got to love the fuck you're doing. it. you got to really have passion in it. Um, it's, I mean, it's tough. You know, it's, you got to, I mean, like with me. Yeah, you know, I always feel like, you know, I'm going to go, like, somewhere with this. And, you know, that's one thing that keeps pushing me. Another thing is, I don't know, just everything. I just love wrestling. I just love thinking about it and, you know, yeah. just putting things together, coming up with new shit. I just got a mind for it. I just got, like, a... I'm completely different outside of wrestling. You know, once you go to wrestle you know, before a match, you know, I fucking snap in, and I'm, like, 100% engaged with everything, you know, and just... I really you know, I can't like my alpha state or whatever state of mind.
3: yeah. You know, so let's talk about that in terms of your your sort of passion.
2: So you know, let's let's go back to sort of the early beginnings. When did you first
3: sort of lock your eyes on professional wrestling? Was it something you saw on TV? Uh well, let see, I mean, well,
1: when I was, like, really young, my ground, I, mean, I never paid,
3: well,
1: I, I don't know how much attention I paid to when I was, like, three or four, but I remember when I was, like, seven years old, I was flipping through the channels, and it landed on The Rock and Earl Hebner versus DX, and, like, the main event was, of- and, uh, yeah, and it was just, it was just fucking awesome, and I was like, holy shit, I, I just loved it after that, and... I look after afterwards, I had friends that were really into it, and you know, me and my little brother always used to wrestling around at like you know age ten and everything, and
3: yeah, so I just kind of grew up on. So when you sort of see those, you know, that we watch
2: professional on TV, some people would just watch wrestling, and that's kind of it. What made you think, you know, what I want to go and do this? I want to find a training school, and I want to you know try and make this a full time
3: dream of mine
1: i have mean, always been athletic. I would you know, I've always been you know, I've always been very fast, pretty strong. Like in high school I jacked up. And I mean, I always always been into fighting too. And just like I mean like when I was uh, really young, I used to get into like a lot of fights. Um well I used to I used to live in Pensacola, and uh, right near Camden and so I used to just get into fights all the fucking time. And so I had to like really fucking up. And well, when I get into those fights, I lose my shit too, and I would just go like ape shit, doing the pro wrestling, and just you know, doing MMA training type shit. All that shit just allows me to just like more relaxed, like for those situations. Yeah, you know, I don't gotta worry about blacking out into a fight no more. You know what I mean? Like to actually be fully conscious while I'm fighting and you know, focus on what I need to do. Sure. Some
2: of the places that we uh, can find you. Uh, of course, there's like East Coast Pro Wrestling, Combat Zone, have been there a little bit as well. Also, the functified Wrestling Federation, as well as uh, National Wrestling Superstars and Reality Wrestling, which we just uh, mentioned with those.
3: How do you... So, recently, uh, I
1: was recently just a champion over there. Yeah.
3: Uh, so, <laughs>
2: Well, one of the things I uh, that I found when I did my research on you was, uh, of course, I've got to check out the matches, and check out the uh, different matches you've had. With I, I found one uh, which was actually at uh, East Coast Pro Wrestling Championship match. It was uh, uh, Kenny Bengal versus you and for uh, the, the championships. And uh, I was checking out, you know, the, yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, you know, one of the things I picked out in it, which I thought was really interesting, which surprised me, I hadn't seen very regularly. You went, it was very early in the match. You were about to do a net breaker. But you sort of switched it around, then his back, and then you sort of put pressure on, I think, Kenny's left knee. And you kind of turned that yeah. into like a submission on the hook. It was quite creative,
1: that. Yeah. I mean, I think I made it up. I don't know if I can't say that. You know, I'm sure. Every, every time you think you made something up, somebody hits you up mm-hmm. like, yo,
3: know, I think that she's
1: up yesterday. Oh, you, know, you just did it last week. And I'm like, yeah. We've probably seen it somewhere or something. I don't know. Or we just got that flow you know in wrestling you start you know you start seeing things but i wouldn't say i necessarily made it up but it's something that i do that nobody else right now and uh, i tried to there was like a couple of my moves with the bot uh, i tried to do a cravat where i put somebody down on the knee also and then i turned that into either flip a flipping neck breaker or whatever. so you know there's all different things i could do i'm always coming up with with, with, <laughs> with new shit uh the other day, I was just doing something. I was whipping
3: the guy.
1: I came back in, kicked him in the guts. Then I, I landed on my back, did a kick up right into a DDT. Then I'm like, huh, if I kick him this way, land over here, I could do a kick up into a flipping neck breaker. I mean, just like, you know, stupid little things. But. Yeah.
2: Well, uh, I took t- t- out the match, and then towards the end of the match, uh, of course, you got the nunchucks out. And, yeah. you, you know, if you just kept the nunchucks away, you would have won the match. You knocked the old ref over.
3: And uh, the old referee goes I in the whole. The locker room comes out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, uh, the the great thing about that is there is that kind of finish is even though it's uh you know
2: a, sort of it's a small promotion sort of thrown around, it's it's still interesting to sort of see, uh, sort of bookers or, or you know, whatever you want to call them, promoters or not, sort of go through that that sort of. Finish of of those kind of matches to sort of you know bring people into the next show or the next sort of local one that you've got, but I I still found that interesting that you know there was still a little bit of that story that you're still trying to tell on that sort of small basis,
3: um, even you know the people that were around the uh, around the arena watching it. With that being said, the sort of next thing that I kind of want to get into
2: is. How do you sort of get into the different places, so of course, the places that you've been in, you've got to sort of build rapport with the promoter or the book at the time. So, some of the ones that I mentioned earlier, we talked about East Coast, and, you know, Octopi and things like that. How do you essentially get your foot into the door of some of these promotions, especially like, like a combat zone, for example? How do you get into the door with
1: that? Uh, go on, you get your foot in the door, gyms, show up to some shows, you uh, know, training um, you know, pay for training or whatever or, you know, go yeah, you know, talk to DJ Hyde, I guess. Um, but you know, uh well for reality of wrestling, I know Mike Orlando, uh he was like a really good friend of mine. And he ended up like hooking me up over there, you know, having them say, like, Okay, yeah, have 'em come down because I, I got family like fucking like fifteen minutes from over there. So I go out there, hang out with my aunt, my cousins and you know, I go there, you know, I go to booker t's and train and everything. Fucking yeah, you know, they love me over there, they're fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah, T is all fucking dude. But I mean, so a lot of it is having a connection into something, is you know, knowing somebody and having that person talk to the promoter about you, having a couple of people talk to the promoter about you, and that doesn't always work. You know, I got, I, I know I got like Jordan Oliver talking to to
3: Brett for like that doesn't always work. It's, uh, but. When we talk about sort of when we went back to like training and sort of, of course how long you've had uh, experience now,
2: how long does it take for someone? I could probably talk more from your perspective. How long does it take for someone to train and have their first match? What kind of time frame is that? Is
3: that a few months? Is that a year? How long does that take? That's that's really a matter of opinion. And for me, I had like my first
1: battle royal in two weeks. As about a royal uh, at the House of Pain, where I was trained at, they do they would do shows every Tuesday and Saturday. Uh, the House of Pain still exists, it's owned by different people now. They don't do shows anymore, so I'm, I'm not too sure. Mm-hmm. Tuesday and Saturday, so we could get in there and start getting used to the crowd. And I had my first singles match, uh, like the Apollo and fucking West Virginia Martinsburg, and uh, about and it was just. A- it's, it's mad. I mean, most people would say, like, at least three months, you know, maybe even a year. Some some people say two years. differs, um, you know, about, you know, what you're talking about. And then also, you know, how much are you training a week? So, you know, like, well, I was, when I was training, I was literally training a single day uh, for 16.
2: When you're someone that's quite frequent in the business and you want to go train for sort of, you know, obviously, uh, cardio and, be able to sort of keep going. Would you say now that you train more for cardio or more for sort of strength? I'm guessing it's going to be more for for cardio. How, how I know some people sort of do different what, sort of, what they're at in the business, whether it's bigger
3: or smaller, depending on what's the cut weight or whatever. But is that something that you sort of switch your training to? Do you sort of adapt it to a, a more of a cardio style? Do morning uh, like before I go to training this morning, and I'm going to go so, you know, I, you know, like stretching and cardio type shit,
1: like, like, I do all the yoga stuff, the yoga studio that I go to called uh, Hot and Slow on Cold Snack. Great spot. They they give you one hell of a fucking
3: workout, plus they got the hot go. Very, very important. You used to, like, I better have like six, ten minute matches. But, you know, every now and then you're going You gotta have fucking cards to fucking die in the room. I mean I had I have the matches and have fucking come behind,
1: you know, uh, come back after the match and throw up. You know, I always beat me. and you know, try to keep my shit up but <laughs> Yeah, cardio is very important. I try, and I don't really jog much, but I do a lot of squats. And then when I hit the ropes in the ring, I, I fucking go. I mean, if people that I train, but can't see me train yet, you know, they fucking see me go. <laughs> I try to get my workout in. I mean, the, the most important thing for training with me right now is just blow up drills. Um, and then just I like to, I like to like call a match in the back as much anymore. Okay. I've been liking. Calling shit in the ring and just like doing it in certain ways. Like, one thing that I've just been like playing around a lot is like the whole international spot. would be like headlock, push them all, shoulder tackle, drop down, leapfrog. And so I just work on like
3: little things and you know the transitions in between everything. I keep that international spot
1: going for like two minutes. And you know, and plus that blows you up like a motherfucker because you're running the ropes the whole time and you got to sing. You know, every after every move, you got to like think and they got to call every move, like, you know, it's it's challenging. So, a lot of guys usually do that before they talk about it before and then they go in and then they fucking hit everything. I like to hit everything on the fly at, in the moment.
2: We've heard, a lot of the people words. Say, we've heard a lot of people say they like to call, uh, call it on the fly or call it in the rather than plan it in the backstage. What do you think that is? Why do you like to call it um,
3: in the rather than sort of have a, a rehearsed match that you can sort of plan all your spots? I mean it, it really depends on what you're doing as well. And but like when like when I do like a lot of lucha,
1: I, I gotta, you know, call shit in the back and go through shit with people or you know, people somebody will fuck it up. So and you because know, a lot of my shit's just different. Yeah. Um yeah. but I mean like when I first started I was training straight up old school. Um we would go to the ring, not know a thing, but referee would tell
3: us yeah, you know, all right, take it home. Whatever. We just do shit on the fly.
1: I ended up getting bored of that after a while, after like my first, like three years in, just 'cause on the fly you end up doing like a lot of repetitive shit. Yeah. And so I would, I ended up just calling all my own hope spots, doing things differently. Everybody throws a fucking suplex, so fuck suplex, I'm scrapped that. Everybody's a body saying, scrap that. <laughs> drop kick, all right, fuck it, I have a beautiful drop kick, but fuck it, scrapped it. I'll do something else. You know what I mean? And just did and then especially doing the lucha shit, I would call I could call a whole fucking thirty minute
3: match and do
1: it. And you know, I like you know, if I'm gonna call like a thirty minute match, I mean like nowadays I would like to say like, all right, you know, maybe let's do some fucking chaining for like the first five fucking minutes, go back and forth with some shit and you know, go to like a couple of different little international spots like things or uh, I don't I don't know. I mean, it, it always depends on how I'm feeling.
2: Well, we talked about the uh, the physical side in cardio and cool in the ring, and you know, the sort of physical aspects of mental But let's talk about the the mental side, because I feel like that's a little bit of a different thing that you know not many people tend to talk about. So, especially when it comes to not necessarily the politics side, cause we're not really going to you know get into that, but more just you know going back to when we we're talking about the training, uh, you know, sleeping at uh, school and things like
3: that. Do you need a thick skin to be in the professional wrestling industry? Uh, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, you're definitely getting judged by a lot of people. And, uh, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's another thing you got to keep your training up just so you could know, fight with people. I'm a very, very good amateur wrestler. And so, you know, I, if something in the ring gets out of control, you know, I'm usually pretty
3: good
1: Judo, shit, whatever. But yeah, it's always important because some guys are cocky, some guys are
3: dickheads, and yeah, yeah it's always, it's always everywhere you go. But that kind of sucks. If, you, if you had someone that
2: would maybe had a thick skin, but you know maybe there's certain things that sort of bother them, whether it is you know we talked about you, you know certain people that judge you or you know, something that's sort of into the into the ring what would somebody do if, you know, maybe, and this kind of goes to you as well, where, you know, we mentioned about the, the training and the constant of it and, and you know, being on the mental side, if, and this is more directed at you now rather than general, what do you do if ever, if you ever sometimes just wake up in the morning and go, you know, I'm sick of this wrestling thing. I I am, I'm sick of it. I want to break from it. You know, I've had enough. It's, it's, it's too much in the sense that I've, uh, it's
3: every day. It's all I think about. So I know
1: they say you got to live it, you got to breathe it, you got to eat it. So do you ever have a time where, you know, maybe you just want to put wrestling on the back and have a break for it? No, nah, not really. I mean, you know, I, I keep my day scheduled to where I always have different shit to do. Um, I worked on a fucking road, so I just literally got there at 1 a.m., didn't leave. Well, we got out pretty quick. We got about uh by like for each day so you know that's about you know, 23 and a half hours of straight work uh, and you know I, trying, I got my hot yoga shit Yeah, you know, I got my guitar I try to make time to do that I got my time to some friends Yeah, got time for my girl <laughs> you know you gotta make things and you know when you make time for things like alright I'll be fucking Russell today you know, I'm ready to go to training today okay I have some open time I get to go to training that day you know and yeah, I just always gotta stand and move. I can't, you know, I can't just fucking sit in the house. I can't just not do nothing. Uh, True, like with my monster boat, i was working like
3: maybe two or three days out the
1: week. So I have, oh, luckily, I like it like that. I have a lot of free time, so I can train. I can do shit every day. And uh, <laughs>
3: now even you know, told told boss the other day, I'm like, hey, "Can't." you yeah, know, if you want me to hop around and float around the boat the way I do, <laughs> you're going to let me do this fast. <laughs> You know. With the experience that you've had, would you say, guess you never know,
2: stop, but what do you think your biggest learning moment is anything that, not necessarily the in-ring
3: work, but maybe sort of the help you with life itself? What do you think your biggest sort of learning experience has been? Uh... Um, I mean, you, you meet you meet some good friends in the business. Not a lot, but nice mm-hmm. I mean, I've been I've been
1: in the business for a while, so I probably say I got like I, I, got, I got I got
3: actually a lot of good friends in the wrestling business, and that's you know, cool. But yeah, so uh, I friends, say friends like. Big. I just love fucking wrestling, dude I don't know
1: what the fuck what, what am I gonna learn from I don't know what type of less life lessons we're gonna but yeah, yeah. Any life lessons you get some friend from, from some uh friends, I guess, but yeah.
2: <laughs> sure. Well, in that regard, uh from that, we sort of go to sort of places that you've been and you know we talk about that sort of mental side, of course. You know, most recently we've had uh, obviously the big pandemic. We need to go into that. Did you find that any bookings sort of slowed down during that time? How was sort of navigating that sort of during your wrestling career when the sort
3: of pandemic strict broke, broke? Should I say? Um, I I kind of enjoyed it for a bit. I enjoyed taking the time
1: off. Uh, you because know, everything straight up stopped for a while. And yeah, you know, as
3: soon as school started opening again, I was fucking there. And just yeah, world is starting to move on, and I think it's starting to get better. There's a lot more shows going
1: on. Shows are going at full capacity. So yeah, I mean, wrestling is back.
3: Sure is. Thank God for that. So also,
2: what we sort of talk about that, we've also talked about some the places. What is sort of your your goals, as it were? I know the end goal is obviously to buy you know, television video or anything else like that so major companies. Did you ever really think about anything international about going international going to maybe you know, obviously Japan and Europe and, and sort of any any
3: places like South America? Um,
1: I have some friends. I have some friends in Mexico. Uh, kind of talking about going there, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, right now I want to. Yeah, I just wanna go around the States for a little bit yeah. for like the next year and then maybe look more into like Mexico or Japan or something. i got mean,
3: just my fucking realistic style, man. Just you know. I just, I got yeah. I mean I'm
1: I'm not stiff but you know, I make full contact.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, if you ever go outside there, you're certainly gonna need to uh stiffen up a little bit.
1: Side by here, one of the things
2: when I was uh, doing some research, of course, you know, you've got your social media page and things like that,
3: I didn't know that you had a MySpace page. Is MySpace even still a thing? Uh, I mean, I, 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 those things don't fucking delete. <laughs> I, I loved MySpace
2: back I'm surprised there. Uh, MySpace, I know. I mean, it's making it a comeback. It's making it a comeback. We'll see how it is, but uh, that just kind of made me chuckle where uh, people still have the older, you old know, MySpace days. One of the sort of great things there. So let's go back to. Yeah. I, like. I did like it. It, was, it. Was it was very uh, well. We we need an
3: alternative to the uh, the Facebooks of the world, or uh, it's going drive us nuts. Yeah. <laughs> let's go through back to uh,
2: some of your matches of what we I mentioned that match, the uh sort of heavyweight title that we mentioned with uh Kenny Bengal. What's it like uh what's Kenny Bengal, what do you think uh
3: some of the, the pros are about uh, about Kenny? I mean Kenny's an awesome worker. I mean you know people have been seeing that yeah, he's been
1: over at AEW Dart. Um yeah mm-hmm. I'm training with him mm-hmm. uh, yeah I got nothing to say against About him. (laughs) I don't got nothing bad to say against nobody. But, no, yeah, Kenny's Kenny's a good dude. Yeah, he definitely deserves to be where he's at. And, you know, he's very humble, uh, very respectful. And, yeah, and, you know, we were able to do an awesome match together. So it was great.
2: For those of you that, uh, that don't know, Kenny was uh, on AEW Dark right around about June time. I think he uh, faced Lance Archer in uh, a two-minute match, so that was his sort of claim to fame a little bit there. so of, the, you never know, Randy. You never know. You might make your way there. Hopefully, uh, hopefully after uh, after this podcast, when uh, Tony
3: Carles, okay, Tony to this podcast. That right Hey, I can wish. I can dream. Hey, can you hear me? I'm sorry, I'm just having a little technical difficulty. Can you hear me now? Is it all good? Yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah, what was the last I thing hear. you heard me say? I was getting a little staticky. What was the last thing you heard me saying? Not sure. Okay, well, let's uh, <laughs> let's move on to uh, this a little already daily. Really. So,
2: when we talk about sort of the the, the live stuff with professional wrestling, um also, you know, some of the sort of places you sort of get into. When I look at some places such as a reality of wrestling compared to the others, there seems to be a little bit more of a training aspect to it and say, you know, promotions. You know, when we've spoken about, um, you know, East Coast Pro and, and you know, uh, national wrestling, it tends to be more, you know, just the, the, the show of it what is it that reality wrestling that brings is a little bit different to the others because i feel like it does bring a little bit of a
3: training aspect to it rather than just sort of, you know, showing up and performing at a show. Well, you know, of course, you know, they got Booker T
1: over there and you know the, the way that they train over there is great training you know they got they got a lot of good athletes, a lot of guys are going places. Mm. So, yeah, they just got a couple guys in WWE, uh Blake Reuters um, and another girl just got a ring of honor and it's got a woman's title over there. Yeah,
3: I mean, yeah, you know, they're training athletes, so yeah, it's definitely been a great turnout with
2: some of the guys that come out of uh reality wrestling, team. some great stuff that are that been done over there. Let's go back to uh, that sort of you know, professional wrestling being out So, you mentioned about you know, that, that the rock and Michael Cole, that's yeah, it's a great uh. A great uh, m- memory for, uh, for, for usually most people have those kind of big, big time matches, and that's the one you sort of uh, check out. But you check out any of the uh, WCW stuff since you know I can imagine you were a, a 90s child?
1: Uh, well, that match was The Rock and Roll Hubner against DX. That's it. Was, yeah, yeah, and with WCW, uh, I mean, but well, my grandfather I know is into Goldberg, he has some like Goldberg videos. I watched a little bit of it as a kid, and, I mean, I, I was more into WWF. I, I was never as much into WCW. I mean, I would catch it every now and then, but I would always catch WWF. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of the sort of interesting uh, sort of things I found out about
2: yourself when you are talking about sort of those the previous uh previous sort of match. One of the things was in the uh, National Wrestling Superstars, which is one of the tournaments they had there, which is around the twenty eleven, twenty twelve, is the was Chris Candido uh Memorial J Cup, which is, is very sort of interesting in that uh, in that match. In that particular tournament it was won by Devin Moore over there on
3: uh, that sort of
2: tournament wise. But in terms of those kind of tournaments, of course most tournaments in wrestling are, you know, a little bit more, just, you know, something of to as a filler, as it were. But when you see something like the Chris Candida one, does that make a tournament like that mean a little bit more than just, you know, I, a tournament I just went and watched one rather, this has a bit more meaning to it.
1: Well, I mean, yeah. Well, basically, you're wrestling in honor of the person, so mm-hmm. I mean, it's a little bit more than just a regular match at times. Yeah. Uh, Tell
2: me about uh, Ricky Rocks, your old uh, old tag team partner from uh, way back when, he went it's a little bit now. He was, uh, I know, a a man that uh, won a couple of tag teams with you. At the Rock and Roll Awards on there as well. Tell me about
1: uh Ricky Rocks. Yeah, yeah, he's an awesome dude. That guy, that guy's one heck of a trip. I mean, just, he's fucking traveling with him on the road, you know. I'm talking about, like, fucking loving heavy metal and shit and rock and roll. Like, he, he's all about that fucking rock and roll lords, man. Yeah. He's, like, all rock and roll lords. And, yeah, it was cool because at the time I was doing, like, rock, I was going as rock star Jersey Kid. And, mm-hmm. yeah, so Dapper was just like, all right, fuck, I'll put you guys together. And I was able to, yeah, I don't know. We were able to make it work. So it was fun. Uh, we actually did a match a couple months ago in Connecticut. And so uh, apparently people were talking to uh, Rob Fury and, F- and uh, SWF about having us go over there.
3: So we'll, we'll see what
1: happens. Pretty cool, pretty cool.
2: Yeah, yeah we'll see what happens with
1: happening. I know uh,
2: Heavy Metal, metal Rocks, so you playing the guitar on your social media page, also another, uh, another passion of so you. Saw saw a couple of videos playing the old... Uh, guitar. I kinda of feel like as much as Pro Wrestling was uh, one side of your passion,
3: but maybe you kinda of wanted to be a rock star a little bit,
1: do that right? Well uh I think it's more as like my dad. My dad's uh he's a great fucking guitar player, man. Yeah. Uh I'll definitely we say that about him. He's a great guitar player. He's been in a lot of bands. has some he has some really good fucking music. So my little brother thought that was the coolest thing in the world, and now he's amazing at guitar. Uh, me, I was always well. Well, my dad gave me a guitar when I was like pretty young, and it was a right-handed guitar. And it took me a while to pick it up, but you know I was getting there. And I broke a string, and never fixed it. So apparently, he never knew that I was left-handed. So he thought I was musically illiterate.
3: Wow.
1: <laughs> and uh, so I do like more like poetry type shit and writing, you know, lyrics and whatever. And then just eventually I went out, realized that I, I could play a left-handed guitar, bought one of those, and I just picked it right up. But, you know, I'm not nearly as good as my dad or my little brother, but I could play simple enough shit to uh, that I could write to. Yes. And that's what I like to say. It's a good outlet, especially if you've got something on your mind to you know, just sit there and, yeah. Or, you know, I, like we've had some free time. Uh, Not every time I play guitar, but every now and then I'll just, you know, find a couple of different little chords and come up with, like, a nice little line and the next, like, 45 minutes I have a song. So it's just, like, fun, like, getting into that, like, state to just, like, fucking bust out a song. You know what I mean? Like, when I first started writing, it did take days to fucking write a song. So it's cool to like get into that like creative flow and it just fucking writes itself, you know.
2: Well make sure you don't tell many people that you're a uh you like music 'cause much stuff a rock star gimmick on you. know you don't
3: want
1: that. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm done with that gimmick, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: there's
1: a there was a lucha promotion that uh geez, like I don't remember what year, maybe like two thousand fifteen or two thousand fourteen, have you, uh start going as like Gringo Loco and yeah and then you know i was doing like the lucha stuff there i'd like come out talk about ripping my opponent's mask off and exposing them to immigration and send them back over the border and like all this shit so i was like a total mega heel with that gimmick but you know there's somebody else who uh, goes as gringo loco now <laughs> i have yeah. nothing to do with that gimmick no more or that name so yeah that dude's doing awesome yeah at the time obviously yeah, i did or I, I don't know if he got the name when i did or whatever or if, I fucking got after him. I,
3: I really don't know. So either way, I dropped that name. And he yeah, the so we- the uh the Glendale Loco. Uh, I mean it was it was cool. It was cool at the time.
1: You know when I was doing it up with the Lucha guys and everything. I had a great time uh, doing that. It was like a uh, Pedacquito, Pat Ross, and uh like Jigsaw. There's a there's a bunch of awesome Lucha guys. We would fucking tear it up. Well,
2: uh, you say about Lucha, you say about some of these great matches, but to me, I think the greatest moment of Gringo Loco's career is uh, at the Taco Festival in Guilford, Connecticut against uh, Butterbean Jr., brother, the Ice Cream Man, which, uh,
1: yeah. over like Rover, Yeah, I specifically told the promoter, don't call me Gringo Loco, he fucking did anyway. <laughs>
3: so. <laughs> and
1: then the guy that fucking recorded it heard fucking heard him say gringo loco so he fucking put that on the video I was just like god damn it. <laughs> but yeah, that was a fun match with him. Um so what you don't know about that match is that I had a pinched nerve. And I could not back bump at all. And yeah. holy shit it hurt like a bitch. <laughs> I actually did five matches that weekend. Like two of them were easy and But uh, I ended up having a promoter put me up against uh, some newer guys, like the Butterbean guy. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't go up against Johnny Santos because, you know, me and Johnny Santos and Jay Vera like we could have fucking tore shit up or Sonny Black, like we would have tore shit up. But I had the pinched nerves, so I couldn't really do their shit. And, you know, I didn't want to fucking make them have a shitty match because I'm fucking injured. And so at least I could do – Is give this new guy a great fucking match and fucking just have him listen to me the whole time and avoid getting hurt and just have fun. And yeah, and that's where I, uh, the guy gave me a clothesline in the corner. I felt my legs go up and I'm like, yo, do that again. (laughs) And he fucking does it again. And I just like threw my legs over and I fucking flipped outside the ring. And now I, now I use that in like a lot of matches. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So I've never seen anybody else do that. Just like take a clothesline and kind of like go over top rope. But no, it's fun.
2: Let's talk about the sort of uh, hardcore style of things. I'm very, very interested in this, and I've, of course, uh, as we record this, the uh, the dark side of the ring, the FMW stuff, is kind
1: of Of course, wrestling death matches, all that stuff. Of course, you're not into matches, being in those kind of matches. But um, I I do actually have some death matches. Oh, you do? Um, yeah, but they're they're harder to find. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I do it up. I do uh. Couple different things. Like, I mean, I, I actually uh, just did one not long ago. Um, just like last weekend, actually. Where I got my whole fucking face all bloodied up and everything. They use one of the fucking uh roofing. It's like rectangular roofing staples that has a bunch of spikes on it. Oh man. You get, yeah, you get great blood out of that shit. <laughs> I I do this uh shattered dreams. You know, the gold dust shattered dreams in the corner, the kitchen nuts. Uh, I do that with a light tube. Yeah, that'd be pretty oh, cool. Man. And people love it. It's fucking awesome and uh yeah so actually uh with the death match i had last weekend they made it a triple threat last minute and i i had fucking time so i ended up just having like a 25 minute match i'm like yo guys we're gonna go for a minute i'm gonna have some fun and they're like all right so what, you want to go like 12 minutes i'm like no nah, no nah, at least 20 oh <laughs> yeah they're a little nervous but like you know when people work with me it's like fucking cake you know what i mean like you know, i see where people are at somebody's guest i fucking know it whatever like yeah, it's it's very easy for people to work with me. Like afterwards, we were like, holy shit, like dude, like you literally talked to me the whole fucking time, like and just fucking like we were on point with everything. So, know, yeah, I don't I don't trust in people's memory, so I get so I train myself to constantly talk with them so they don't fuck shit up in international or whatever.
3: Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. And I did a I actually did a match over there, smoke um, with a blunt in my mouth, and when I was doing the internet, but I realized I was like, oh shit, I can't fucking talk. <laughs> i was like oh crap i was like having trouble with it because I, I wasn't trying to like squeeze it as i'm like you know trying to say something i don't know it, it was difficult but uh i ended up doing like a whole match while smoking a blunt i did the whole chain wrestling and everything else i was getting my ass kicked kicking out of the pen taking a hit and it was just something that i was able to do because it was legal to smoke weed in the ring or whatever so and just nobody ever wrestled an entire match smoking smoking a blunt, so I figured it'd be pretty cool, something different. <laughs>
3: so,
1: I don't know. I got to entertain myself.
2: We'll come back to the uh, the
1: deathmatch stuff in a few months,
3: but somebody that just came to me, I don't know if anyone's going to have told you this, and hopefully they have, but you remind me a lot of Jimmy Rave. Jimmy Rave? Yeah. Yeah, nobody's ever told me that one. You've got that, uh, I'm getting, I say it like I know
2: Jimmy. It's that kind of same kind of vibes in, uh, you know, I, I, that kind of attitude in kind of the way you present yourself. So it, I I feel that that similarity. It's not a, it's not a uh, uh, most common one that people say, but yeah, I, I see it. Uh, I see it quite a lot, which I think is gone actually because think Red was very very good around the uh, sort of Ring of Honor and uh, sort of around the sort of Atlanta Georgia area, which I you know came out but that sort of uh, big area. But yeah, that's the kind of. Uh, Hard. You can uh take but I know Jimmy Ray actually was uh the at the start last year, had something uh in his left arm, I believe, which was a, had an infection It it, being very amputated. Oh wow. Yeah, it was pretty uh, pretty I think it was that like November, um had an infection in his left arm and then
3: required amputation and uh,
2: that was kind of the the, the rest of the corner kind of gone, which kind of uh, kind of sucks in, in regards to that. Since actually I'm talking about uh, that that kind of injury, let's talk about some of the injuries in general. So you know, of course, when we talk about injuries, the bad ones we tend to think about are the head. So anything concussion-based or uh, anything sort of you know, uh, around the brain, which obviously we're learning a lot more about CTE and stuff like that as well. Have you ever
3: suffered any sort of bad injury? What's kind of the baddest injury you've had? Um, I I hurt my uh, my knees
1: my my, uh, my knee a while back. Um, someone basically like dropped me at. Uh, I don't know, one of the AEW, Luther Brothers, does it where he, like, grabs one, go on the road, split legs, bounce back in, bounce back on the top, flip into arm drag. And uh, I do that shit all the time. I, said, I should actually probably bust that move out a little bit more again. But anyway, when I jumped up for the flip, the guy let go of my hand, and I kind of just, like, fucking landed on my knee. I just, like, flipped right onto my knee, and... You know, I didn't expect the fucking dude to let go, so I didn't. I didn't even have fucking knee pads on. I was being stupid and just fucking around. Yeah. Uh, I ended up wrestling that match against Kyle the Beast, who's also on AEW uh, not too long ago, and Eric Corvus, who is probably one of like the best wrestling pro wrestling minds out there. Um, we had a great triple threat match, and the whole time, so that happened right before the show started. I did jumping jacks and little jogs, and just stupid shit, to keep my adrenaline up, so that yeah. my knee would not be swollen stiff, and I did a good job with that, I was able to go out there and have a fucking, we had an awesome triple threat match, and yeah, right after the match, my knee was swollen stiff, I ended up doing a show for Monster Factory, with a knee swollen stiff, you can see me fucking running around, running around the ring, it was fucking stupid, and uh, somewhere out in Delaware, also I did a fucking show with my niece once, and then I I stopped stop for like six months, and you know it's you know it's, it fucks with you mentally a lot too, you know what I mean? And it really sucked to have to just fucking stop. Yeah. But, you know, I was like, fuck, I gotta stop. So yeah, that's how, how
3: it did, goes. How long did it take you to, to recover from something like that? Um, probably like five months or so. Okay, well, doctor. Uh, I mean, when I think of something like uh, like five months, I know seems you know uh, small for some people, but I guess in a way it's still a long time to be away from the ring, that is. Yeah, definitely. Let's go back to uh, the, the deathmatch stuff we were talking about. I know we got into that a little
2: bit. And um, how how do you prepare for? Something? Because of course, wrestling matches, things like that. Of course, you um, you prepare <coughs> you prepare for um, you know a match and what you're going to do and things like that. But how do you prepare for a death match? Because of course, you know, whether it be light tubes or, or tables with spikes in them or, or anything else like that? Tax, you know, you know you're going to go through them. So uh, how do you kind of mentally prepare for something like that? Well.
1: Oh. It really kind of just falls back on the adrenaline rush. <laughs> I mean, you yeah, know, it looks crazy and, yeah, it hurts and sucks at times. But, yeah, when you got that adrenaline rush, you know, it's usually not too bad. Landing on light tubes is just like taking any other fucking move. Um, Just get some scratches on your back. Usually light tubes are very thin, thin shitty glass, so it usually doesn't slice you open. Uh, it's, like, very fucking rare to get, like, you know, like, bad fucking, like, deep cuts with light tubes. You got to be more careful with thick glass and shit like that, air glass, whatever. But uh, I try not to do too much tax. I mean, I've done tax before. You know, it's, you know, it's a bitch. But <laughs> fucking, yeah, I usually do more light tubes type shit. And, you know, I bring out, always bring out the fucking guitar over a guitar over somebody's head. Yeah, I got I got my little things that I do. I do like little concerto
3: type thing, and I don't know. I got, I got my little things. So, yeah. But, yeah. to well, go. have a good time. <laughs> well, you, you say that beforehand, but you normally have a good time when you come to do that. But now I've
2: just got something on tack in my back, and uh, pretty much got something there.
3: <laughs> oh
1: crap. Oh, usually after the match, you know, like, I mean, most of my matches, especially those death matches, they're usually fucking awesome. And by the time we get back there, everybody's like, fuck yeah, like, dude, thank you, like, that was fucking awesome and whatever. Yeah. And, you know, and so it just helps clean you up real quick. And, you know, it's oh, not too bad. And, you know, the shower after is going to sting like a bitch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, going to the ocean helps. <laughs>
2: We were talking about uh, music earlier, and ironically, it was yesterday, actually, but I'm surprisingly surprised how fast uh, time goes, it was one year today that uh, Eddie Van Halen left us to be the, uh, the great stage in the sky.
3: Who would you consider to be, uh, sort of not necessarily the greatest guitar player, but some of the great guitar players? Well,
1: my dad would probably say Eddie Van Halen's like the greatest guitar player of all time yeah i think he would i think he would say that uh he was like dad took that like a really big fucking hit um yeah. i was actually well i was named after randy rhodes uh but he oh, was yeah. like yeah yeah so he was you know for ozzy Dad so plane crash and all that yeah um so you know some people would be like oh what is your name randolph or randall i was like no i was literally named after a rock star randy now, I don't know if his real name was Randall or not, but I was named <laughs> after the name he went by, which is Randy. So, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I would go with my dad's dance. I'd probably say fucking Evan Helen's like fucking the best. Um, <laughs> yeah, Zach Zach Wild's fucking awesome. That's uh, another guy that that my dad's yeah. pretty good with. And uh, yeah, fucking, yeah, he's an amazing guitar player.
2: One of the uh, guys that I saw uh, you give a little shout out to uh, a couple of weeks ago and that uh, there was a couple of indie guys that uh, was used as enhancement talents on uh, WWLXT and also um, on AEW as well. Uh-huh. A few different ones on there in particular. I know uh, um, I it was, I it was last time I think it was Leila Hirsch that did a similar thing and uh, also had a bit of sort of uh, appear on sort of two places at the same time, but uh, a couple of your boys that uh, kind of get on there, which is, is kind of one of the live them as well. I know Cameron Stewart was one, and uh, also uh, Dante Carr as well, kind of being on that, a couple of those. It's uh, very interesting to sort of see uh, those kind
1: of guys that do that. Does it kind of fill you with pride when you see those kind of guys do that? I mean, it's awesome, it's always awesome. It's, it's cool that that is possible you know um, my boy Cameron Stewart the, for only cams fucking using the only cams tag game fucking you know he, he did that shit I, I forget the name he went under as on on NXT but you know he normally goes as Cameron Cameron Stewart you know he's fucking awesome it's, it's great to see him fucking go in places you know he's got a lot of talent and yeah, you know he need I, I think he needs uh i think like two more years man he's going to really fucking find his spot, find his fucking space so, well, yeah. especially with the
2: uh, sort of new initiative we're seeing in uh, in AEW, but more obviously, you know, sort of the places up an impact in MLW and uh, even, you know, something like Ring as well, which is resurrecting itself as well. And I think the great thing now is about people being able to work in places where it's not necessarily just, you know, the independence, it's places with television deals, which are a big deal rather than, you know, the big fan in WWE, as everybody would say, but those other places that, you know, can still fulfill that, you know, getting to the top or getting to your goal and, uh, you know, being on TV. Apart from WWE, which everybody would say, any of those places that I mentioned, are they any of your goals and sort of where you want to be?
1: I mean, yeah, I would love to get over to AEW. I think I could have some awesome matches over there and do some really cool stuff. Um. I would be I'd be worried about going to WWE WWE was just them trying to make a fool out of me or some character or some shit like yeah. that or not using me right. But I mean, you yeah, know, it would be one hell of an experience. And you know, I mean, who knows? So yeah, I mean, ROW just got a TV deal with the uh, CW. Yeah, yeah, just saw that, which uh, it is great. Will you be uh, performing
2: a lot more on Reality Wrestling going forward?
1: I'm I'm sure hoping so. Uh, this weekend when I go down there, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna be talking with them about some future dates, and then we'll see what happens. Cause that uh, they gave me a couple, and so now we're gonna talk about some more. But
3: that's pretty good.
2: Pretty good. I mean, it's, especially someone something like reality of wrestling, which again is uh, another place of getting those sort of arms to do so.
3: So a
2: couple of questions that uh, I sort of want to get into. mindset of wrestling once again we, I spoke earlier about you know getting sick of it and, and, and living and breathing it and things like that even if you love something so much there can sometimes be a little bit of doubt in your mind where you do think to yourself you know why am I doing this have you ever had a time where you kind of maybe think about maybe doing something else or maybe switching careers or you know, doing a bit of a sidebar uh, not really I
3: mean
1: I've always just done pro wrestling and everything else, kind of just like whatever it's like random shit, and that's what I usually help out with like hurricanes and shit like that, so you know usually it's hard for me to really get locked in with one job because of wrestling and because of you know traveling and yeah you know plus uh you know a lot of the places where I'm trying to wrestle at like you know like reality wrestling they're they're right by my aunt's house and my cousin's, so um, I ended up. Just finding them a couple of years back. Uh, my mother was adopted and through the ancestry.com thing, we found her family. And I have a huge fucking family. It's fucking like huge. Just on my mother's side of the family, they have a family reunion of like 300 people in like Noxodosis, Texas. And then, you know, the father's side is also huge. So I'm trying to, you know, rustle and wrestle at places near them and, you know, and spend time, you know, because. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's working for me. That's why I like the lobster boat job. is just like once a week or twice a week or you know, three times a week. Like it, you know, it always differs, but it's not every day. Like I'm able to go out and do shit. So you mentioned about some hurricane relief. I know
2: uh, you. That was last month. There was a well, Louisiana was a big one there, and hurricane relief down there. Did you go down to Louisiana and uh, sort of help those guys? Out? I know they're in some uh, some down there, especially.
3: That last month.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was out there. Uh, I went out there with my cousin, and uh,
3: I just comforting. So, uh,
1: I also helped out with Hurricane Sandy. Um, I really like doing the Hurricane Sandy one, cause I was, you know, right in New Jersey. Uh, doing the one in Louisiana was a lot harder. Uh, we had like at times we had to like sleep in like the Walmart parking lots and shit. Right. And just. So yeah, I mean, luckily I brought a hammock and shit like that. Um you know, we had to have people with us with guns and shit like that for protection type shit and you know, just things get crazy with with all that. But I mean it was it was one hell of an experience. I stayed out there for a week and then I flew out to uh to Texas for uh reality wrestling. So I helped out there for a week and yeah. And that was uh but you know with the uh with Hurricane Sandy, you know, I live right in Jersey, so I was helping out with that one for months. But...
2: Well, that's good, that's a great uh, great thing to do. Uh and I'm gonna do a weird segue here, even though we're talking about hurricanes, but uh you do love a uh, a good lobster boat, don't you, Randy? You love a good old uh, a good old trip out to sea to uh, find yourself some good lobsters. Are lobsters your favorite uh, favorite thing in the world?
3: No, no.
1: I mean, I'm not really a fisherman. You know, like like we'd be catching fish and, you know, doing the lobster stuff on the boat. Like, I mean, I I like canoes. I don't really care too much for going out on the ocean. But, I mean, it's a pretty good time, though. And, you know, catching the lobsters, it's it's awesome. I'm able to take home lobsters at times. So, they're fucking great. I I cook them tremendously. Um, My girl went to Red Lobster years back and hated lobsters because they did such a terrible job and then she had it when I made it and now she fucking loves it so. Yeah, convert people, gotta
2: love it. Right. Well, as we sort of head on uh, down the road with this uh, interview that we're doing here, of course, we've, we've mentioned a lot about, uh, of course, your your sort of journey here and sort of at the end of this journey before we do the whole Q&A round. I've got to ask you, you know, of course, it's, it's been 15 years, you've been in the ring, you have these places. I, we mentioned a few things, such as you know AEW, and, and that's kind of the place you want to go, and, and the places on TV. But not necessarily the place you want to go, but me really in life, what, what are your goals now? Where do you, what, where do you sort of put your focus, and where do you want to go? Maybe an opponent in the ring, or maybe a
3: match, sort of what, what are your goals within sort of professional wrestling? I mean, my goal is in professional wrestling. is It's really
1: just to be able to do this as long as I possibly can. And, you know, just to keep getting better opportunities. You know, just keep having better and better matches. Just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: I mean, we haven't uh, sort of spoken about these things, but I guess uh, who,
3: for you, is your sort of favorite opponent? Who, who is my favorite opponent? Yeah. Huh, that's a, that's a pretty good question. <laughs> uh, well, huh. uh, I, I, I got I kinda gotta think on that one. Jeez. Well, what are you thinking about that one, uh, who, who for you is a dream
1: opponent? I have, like, a dream opponent, uh, as you say, like, Chris Jericho, he Probably he's a really yeah. cool, yeah. Um. Yeah. went out Shawn Michaels. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I mean,
2: I'm, I'm in, interestingly, you literally pick the people that kind of look
1: like you a little bit. I would have loved to work with Rob Van Dam. I know, like, you know, he's not working like he was like years ago, but, yeah, I wish I would have been able to wrestle him fucking like 10 years ago.
3: It would have been a fucking killer. Yeah, yeah. So, did you uh, think of your favorite opponent yet? Uh favorite opponent. Ah oh, man. I don't know. I really don't know. I mean,
1: like working like working with like Tinky Sanchez. Yeah, I had a lot of fun working with him. Yeah. Um uh, and against him and do some single matches with him. Um yeah. Hamlet hurts you. He he's I had a great time with him. We had like a fucking WrestleMania fucking match, right around WrestleMania weekend. Yeah. Over out uh, in uh, Rhode Island, so that was really cool.
2: Um One thing we haven't spoken about, which of course is kinda of weird because um, you like it lives and we about it mids and breeze wrestling. You obviously do wrestling, but do you ever actually just sit down and watch wrestling so it isn't got you in it? Uh
1: every now and then, like I mean, I don't watch it as much for like entertainment to watch a show anymore, but I watch things to study. Yeah.
3: So what it's kind more of,
2: of, of, what kind of stuff do you sort of uh, sort of watch to study? I know a lot of people tend to this seems to be a trend. A lot of people tend to watch anything Bret Hart does and anything from Stanford Wrestling days. That tends to be what of people suggest people to check
3: out.
1: I mean, I can do all that technical wrestling stuff, but I never. I, don't know, I never really liked like the Bret Hart or like the Crispin Waugh style. I mean, I like well, I, I like the aggressiveness, but just like the whole technical stuff. I, mean, I like the fast paced I'd watch. I like to watch like a lot of like Rey Mysterio or Super Crazy, Ed Ross. You know, like Chris Jericho
3: back in the day with Eddie Guerrero. Is Luke um, to your kind of your thing, your style a little bit? Uh. I mean, I,
1: I take bits of Lucha Libre and, you know, use it with American psychology, basically. Yeah. So, yeah, but I mean, I don't, you know, like doing like a straight up Lucha match, you know, I'll do that every now and then if I work like with a Lucha guy, I, uh, I just did that against, uh, what was it, Mascada, 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 Mascada mas- 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 or something, uh, Reality Wrestling. And, you know, I was walking up with him like the right hand style and, you know, we were having a Lucha match. And, uh, but unfortunately for him, I beat him in, like, three and a half minutes. So, but
3: yeah, it was it was you
1: awesome. Had to, you had to get that in YBN, didn't you? <laughs>
3: yeah,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> well, let's go down to our Q&A before we wrap this thing up. So, uh, of course, finally, as I do with everyone, we'll be asking you really specific life questions. Go to random, anything you want. Let's see
3: what your answer is. So, question number one, what would your 10-year-old self think about the life that you have now? I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Is, is yeah. Kind of, would the 10-year-old the kind of want you to be where you are now?
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, my 10-year-old self would definitely love to be
3: in the wrestling ring. So, yeah, I'd be proud of myself.
2: Interestingly enough, and I don't know if you face this a lot from uh, professional wrestling, but how did you recover well from a setback? So... I don't necessarily mean physically like injury or burnout or something, but maybe something but this isn't go for wrestling as well being like maybe, life. maybe someone, someone's told you something you didn't want to hear or you know, wrestling or they a bit too harsh to you or um maybe to something in life which kind of you know knocks you
3: down for a couple of times, you know,
2: how do you recover well from the setback?
3: Well, you know, I mean how you react to things is very important. So uh
1: yeah, depending on what it is, like, you know, you just take old deep breaths or, you know, and try to stay calm and just, you know, think about it. Like, okay, like, you know, like maybe if I get like a, a fucking ticket for my cell phone or something, you know, it's like, shit, okay, you know, I just got a ticket. Okay, this sucks. You know, for like ten minutes, I'm like, goddamn it, and then I'm just like, yeah. you know, well, I, well, would be upset now? I'll just worry about it later. When I have the court date thing, it's,
3: you know, it's whatever. It is what it is. I just gotta you deal with them. it. Do you respond well to criticism?
1: Do you think? Uh, yeah, I think so. I don't really, I don't really care. I mean, you know, with doing the whole wrestling stuff, I basically put myself on a pedestal to where people can say whatever the fuck. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I, I really care less what people say about me.
2: Um, and this, uh, this last one but I'm gonna tailor to uh, wrestling in particular, but especially wrestling business.
3: What is the best compliment that you've ever received? Um. Well
1: I mean here here's a recent one. I was talking to uh, Jake Sterling who's who um he was he just lost a Grind Time Wrestling Championship against uh Shogun like last month, but yeah. a couple months ago I worked with him and he did a podcast and they asked him what was your favorite match and he was like, You know what, the two minutes I was in the ring with fucking Tarzan Duran and yeah. you know, he took you know, hey, Yeah, thank you, that's fucking awesome. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I think uh, they, they
2: always say you know if uh, you know fans love you or, or hate you that's kind one of thing I think when your peers
3: say good things about you
2: then you know you're doing something right because you know they to what you are and maybe they're, they're looking at you a bit more what I want to use but a bit more um, critical because of you know doing the same things as opposed to fans sort of sort of conditioned to to what they know so that's always tend to be the greatest compliment
0: so in wrapping up this podcast uh, I guess there's many different things to say already which is I want to first of all thank you Randy for coming on this podcast and having a good old chin wag about professional wrestling uh, if we want to find you on uh, social media where where can we find you? promote your old social media
1: well you can look up Tarzan Duran on Facebook um, also under Mr Nice Guy Sir on Instagram and Randy Christie on Facebook as well so, yeah, if you want to find any of my matches, usually looking up Tarzan Duran, type in verse. It usually helps you find, like, anybody's matches. You know, you type in their name and put verse afterwards. All this shit pops up on YouTube.
0: <laughs> I'll certainly put those links up in the uh, description of the podcast, and you can uh, check it out and uh, see some of his matches, which are featured on there, and also a couple that are actually on YouTube, which I did find uh, five of that. But from uh, from me, from Tarzan Duran, from uh, the Jersey Kid, all. will uh, Randy Christie and the Jamco. It's stay safe and be good to one another. See you real soon.
1: Jamco Talks is available on all streaming platforms including Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Check out all things FWZ on the FWZ Collection channel.